Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Welcome back to this latest episode of the Rumors of True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome my friend, Matt Traxler. You know Matt from the band Branson, Six Feet Deep, High Praise, as well as running the label Steadfast Records. Matt and I talk about the beginning of his musical journey, as well as his time at Six Feet Deep, um, as well as his time with the band Branson and all the records they put out through Deep Elm, as well as the Militia Group. Um, the end of the band and his new project, High Praise, on Steadfast Records. Awesome conversation. Awesome to get to connect again. It's been a while. Uh, I used to book Branson back in the day. Um, so, awesome conversation. Hope you enjoy this latest episode with Matt Traxler. What is up, my friend? How are you? It's been so long. I am doing great, Jeremy. It's great to see you. Great to hear you. Uh, awesome. It's, it really has been a long time. It, yeah, it's it been feels, quite a while. Yeah, it feels, it, it's all been such a blur that it, you know, it feels like, you know, maybe it's been a, a year, a couple of years, but um, no, it's been decades. Yeah, uh, I was going to say probably plus, 2007, so. 2006, maybe. Yeah. Like that. Maybe even, oh, yeah, I don't 2006 even was around uh, when we, it was our last tour with Branson. So I think that would have been yeah. the last time. Sounds I about right. Almost everybody that I was friends Very with. Cool. Them, so, yeah. Sweet. Well, I know you don't have much time, but let's, let's get into it. Um, growing up for you, uh, what was, uh, how was music in, in intertwined in your life? Maybe some influences, some bands, some records that kind of you gravitated to, uh, that kind of shaped who you are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I was in love with music, um, for as long as I can remember. I used to just like sit and memorize the lyrics. I'd, I'd write them down, um, in grade school, uh, before school, I think even I, I'd just sit and try to memorize the, the 
songs and I don't know I've just always been obsessed with music um but I, I think one of the first things I saved my my allowance for was to buy buy a record um I, I remember getting records for Christmas and just it, it's always been a huge love um and um just definitely sort of shaped who I was and kind of how it, it how I grew up I think um it, it, it was like a you know, everybody go, goes through their uh, sort of uncomfortable, awkward, growing phases in their teen years, and it was just felt like such a safe uh, refuge to go away from all that, and just uh, just it just felt so right. Like I had always loved it, but I think it was around then that everything just started to click for how how much it meant to me and how important it was. Um, yeah, so I would say maybe around eighth eighth grade age age range somewhere in there eighth ninth grade i started getting into skateboarding um and that just kind of opened me up to a whole new world of music and uh people that were into you know into hardcore and into punk rock and stuff that i knew very little about before i, I just wasn't exposed to that stuff i it, any exposure i had to it was through the lens of uh like a religious home and you know, that was always sort of, it, it wasn't forbidden or um, made to be evil, but it, it wasn't looked at positively. So it was just this, like, this sort of cool, scary outsider thing that um, just really attracted me to it um, and just, um, I think, really helped, helped raise me, helped teach me a lot. Um, I, I think back to all the, like, sort of moral lessons and stuff I learned from punk rock and hardcore and I, I just feel like it's just such an important part of who i was and kind of helped help shape me very cool um did you play in, in any bands uh, in high school at all or uh like that kind of led you to maybe join them when you joined six feet deep or anything like that now, i was pretty late um in fact um i joined six feet deep without really knowing how to play guitar <laughs> well um I, I i had like maybe three or four like uh really basic guitar lessons from like a, a youth pastor guy at uh a church growing up and that was probably when i was maybe in like uh middle school age somewhere in there um and and that was really it um but I was always obsessed with it. I, I had guitars. My uncle had given me a guitar. It was just sitting around, and I loved to play, and I just didn't really know much about it. Um, but, yeah, Six Feet Deep, I was just good friends with those guys. And um, Mike asked if I – Mike knew that I, like, had a guitar. I don't know that he knew how little I knew <laughs> about playing <laughs> so um i i basically owe every bit of my musical um career to to mike because he just really patiently taught me um not just those songs but you know guitar and like rhythm theory yeah. um my my natural rhythm is still to this day something i struggle with it just doesn't come naturally to me and i was always just a nightmare in the studio trying to get things um on time so um he, he was just super patient and uh really kind of taught me <laughs> how to play those songs but in, in turn taught me how to play guitar and um just really helped me with that so so yeah it was weird that that kind of came about i i think it just came about out of them needing someone and um he, he thought i could do it and uh just taught me stuff that's so, so cool it was really what, cool what yeah, awesome faith in I, you. <laughs> I know seriously um and, and not only that but at the time i had 
I was 18 and my parents had just moved like, I, I want to, it, it was over a half hour drive each way, maybe closer to an hour away. And I had also at the same time lost my driver's license because I had, like too many speeding tickets or something. Um, and so Mike would drive me, he would drive like an hour each way, pick me up, teach me these songs, take me to practices and stuff. He, it was just such an awesome gift and um i still appreciate it to this day i bet i bet um let's talk about um you obviously joined six feet deep so road less travel great record um obviously the swan song for the band but uh, maybe let's talk about that record a little bit maybe your thoughts and your memories um did you record much on that i know you said you were learning the guitar but uh what what all uh what all can you remember from that time yeah i I personally did not play much at all on that record. In fact, I don't think I played any of the musical stuff. Um, the the one uh, audible contribution I think I have is there's um, a hidden track where either a hidden track or it's like uh, a, the end of the last track, something like that. I, I don't totally recall where it is on the album, but um, we completely destroyed that guitar I mentioned earlier that my uncle gave me. Um, the pickup still worked, and um, we we just thrashed it. I, um, I, I remember using a paint scraper on it at one point and um, just beating the crap out of it, smashing it, um, just doing all kinds of stuff to just try and get noises while we recorded. I um, didn't really know, I, at least for me, I didn't know what we were doing. And I, I think making studio noise now would go a whole lot different. But at the time, I was 18, and um, it just seemed like a lot of fun. So, yeah, so so we did that, and that ended up making it on the record. But other than that, um, Mike, um, Mike Porter and Mike Schaefer, the other guitar player, I think, did all the, the guitar tracks on that. I don't think I actually played on any of those songs uh, to the best of my memory. Uh, but I was there for a lot of the recording sessions. That was super fun. To just yeah, what, what was that like? Well, I mean, how, how was that experience? It was cool. There was um, the engineer was uh, Bill Karecki. He ran a studio called Mars Recording out here and on the outskirts of Cleveland. It was about an hour drive. Um, and he recorded a lot of the early 90s uh, Cleveland hardcore stuff, a lot of like early integrity and ringworm, face mm -hmm. value, I think all those bands. Um, so it, it, it was like, it was kind of the place to be at that time as far as getting the, the right sound for, for Cleveland hardcore, at least. Um, so that was a big, a, a big part of making those records was getting into that studio and getting that sound and uh, getting to work with, with Bill. Um, it was before I had, it, it was probably my first, I believe my actual first experience in a recording studio. So I was just really enamored with everything yeah. and just watching everything. I, 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 I mostly remember just sitting back and just thinking like, this is the coolest thing I've ever got to do. Like I, it felt so cool being there and watching people record parts and um, just watch the record come together that way. I had never seen it happen like that before. So it's just, it was just another step in sort of cementing like this is this is what I got to do. This is yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be. So absolutely. Uh, when the record came out, what was the touring like for you guys? Um, were you getting, getting to open for Integrity? Were you getting to open for national bands or was it all Christian venues? Uh, what was that like? Uh, yeah, we we really worked hard to stay out of the Christian scene um, and just to play and to, to hardcore bands and to the hardcore. Sure 
seen. Um, so the, the Cleveland stuff, it was always, uh, there was a really strong, there's still a really strong hardcore scene here in Cleveland, but there, there was men and there were, there's a lot of DIY stuff like, uh, YMCA's and, uh, mm -hmm. those types of hall shows. Um, and those were always fun. We did a lot of those. <clears throat> and, um, I think those were what really kind of really opened my eyes to this kind of DIY punk world and just seeing all these other bands, bands on tour, uh, people doing zines, people, uh, there was always food there, vegan potlucks and like, uh, food drives to feed the homeless and stuff like that. It just really showed me a lot of stuff that I hadn't seen before and really sort of helped me fall in love with that world. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so that, and then there were a lot of, there were some other club type venues around Cleveland. I, I remember there were some shows with integrity, um, at least one or two that I recall. Um, and then touring outside of that was pretty sparse. We did a lot of local stuff and I think we did one, maybe two like big tours. We, we did some like cornerstone type festival things. Yeah. But otherwise, it wasn't a whole lot of time on the road. It was a lot of short things or long drives and then short tours. So we, I remember doing like a, a group of shows, I think, in uh, Texas. I remember doing some stuff out west, like New Mexico and California. We did some stuff. We, we hooked up with Focus um, out in California at one point. Um, but it was a lot of stuff like that where it was – it, it wasn't full touring like we yeah. did with yeah. Branson. Branson, we would go out for months at a time. This was yeah. just kind of like, and again, I was pretty removed from it at that time and just sort of along for the ride. So I, I don't recall a whole lot of it. Um, towards the end, though, we had some lineup changes. And I, and I remember specifically, we did some shows where um, Clank and uh, Brian Gray joined us. Um, oh, nice. Very cool. The lineup. And, and, and those were, that, that was a different like a different uh dynamic than we had uh with the previous lineup so yeah it was cool there was a lot of a lot of fun memories and a lot of uh stuff i look back on as just like first time i got to do this or see that and totally. it was just such a cool experience i got to see you guys once um in uh, it was called alterna fest it was in norwalk ohio and yep. focus yep. played bloodshed and zeo like original zeo uh, yeah, yeah. with Eric singing and you guys played and there's oh, yeah, a bunch yeah. of other bands. Yeah. I was at that, that. festival. Was nuts. I feel like Starflyer played that. Yeah. Um, Starflyer played it. Prayer Chain played it. Six Pence. I think Six Pence oh, played yeah. it. Yeah. It's just some yeah. MXPX, Blenderhead, like a bunch. Oh, yeah. 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 I, dude, that was, my parents let my friends and I go out of town. I was underage. I think I was 17 and so I had to have an adult go with me. It was like this big ordeal. Yeah. But it was yeah, epic. Yeah, it was yeah. like mind blowing. Like still talk about that show to this day. It's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I remember that show. I just I, and that's not where we normally played, but um, just about uh, forty five minutes to an hour uh, west of us. Um, sorry, east. No, east. There's no wrong. I don't know. Anyways, about an hour away from us, um, and we. Uh, so it felt like we were close to home, but there were all these like huge bands that we knew of but hadn't played with before. It was it was weird, but really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you mentioned uh, you kind of uh, you know were kind of taking no mental notes. Uh, you know, in the recording studio, this is cool, this is awesome. Is that kind of what 
led to you uh, wanting to start Steadfast Records? Um, is that kind of at the end of um, Six Feet Deep? Yeah, it was close to the end of Six Feet Deep. I, I believe on Road Less Traveled, it, it was around when that was being made uh, because on the original I think the original pressing of the CD, I actually somehow convinced them to put a steadfast logo. Yeah. Um, and and do it as like an imprint release. Um, but yeah, so it was around that time that I was starting it. Um, I I think it was more going to to shows that, um, really sort of empowered me to, to start the label. Um, and just seeing other people do it. The, The recording studio was, one thing that sort of empowered me and just excited me about music and just seeing the process of a record being made. And I knew I wanted to be a part of that. The record label was something different where it was more tangible. Um, and I saw other people doing it. Like I said, at these, these shows, um, I just remember these YMCA shows where there would just be table after table of people with like different, different like animal rights literature, different zines, different records, uh, t-shirts, like homemade, uh, like, I don't know, uh, just sewn patches yeah. and bags and stuff like that. And it was just this like, like punk rock flea market or something. And it just like, just excited me. It just, it, would, it instantly took this thing that I've loved my whole life, like records and music, um, and it demystified it. It was like, oh, this person made this record. Uh, these people like photocopied these pictures and they cut it out and they made this scene. Like I can totally do that. Um, so it it just kind of exposed me to stuff that I didn't really see as uh, something I could do myself beforehand. Um, you know, if you're not exposed to that stuff and you see it only the finished product it, it just seems so unattainable to do something like that yourself and when when you see people actually doing it and pulling it off it just it was just a whole new world for me um so yeah it was just super exciting but i think that's what really kind of kicked off wanting to do the label um, just this love of music and it just seemed like a way an extension of you know i love music here's a way i can yeah you know just be a part of it and share with people <clears throat> So what's uh, just uh, out of curiosity? What what are some of the your favorite releases that you've put out? I know you've you know put out quite a few, but what what are some of the ones that you um, hold dear to your heart? Yeah, um, wow, that's a great question. Um, it, it, it'll sound corny, but they're all special to me. Um, sure, I figured, I figured they would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I do have to say that because I don't want anybody to think I'm playing favorites or that their <laughs> record isn't important. But um, yeah, I think like some of the big milestone ones, um, I, I'd say obviously Zayo's All Else Failed, sort sure. of like, like the flagship of, of the label. Like I don't think I would have had um, as much recognition or success or um, that it would have been as easy to do some of the other stuff without sure. having that. I, I think that kind of anchored the label um and and that's super cool like i I just that record means so much to me because it was so that was one that was produced by mike um but it was just such a hands-on thing where we were all at the studio every day and just watching that being made um was just so cool and the first time that i was kind of that that involved with it um, yeah and just had my hands that 
deep in the pot of making making it come together. Um, so that one for sure. Um, what else? I'd say the the Branson one, the first Branson letterbox yeah, uh, has record. a similar feel because uh, thank you. Um, because that one, it, it was a very similar process. Um, that one we also did where Six Feet Deep recorded with Bill Karecki. Um, and so that time I was back and actually being a part of some of the recording. Um, and just knowing we were making the record um, and putting it out ourselves and just doing it, like th that felt pretty monumental um, as opposed to doing it earlier for another band. Now we were doing it for ourselves. So that felt cool. Um, then, man, let's see what else. Um, I would say like for comeback stuff since relaunching in 2017, the first one I did was uh, uh, Golden Streets of Paradise, which is Mike yeah. and Adam uh, from Branson. Um, and, and their debut, <clears throat> it, it kind of relaunched the label for me. Um, they they were putting it out themselves. And uh, I, I can't remember how it came out, really. It was just sort of they were – they were asking me a couple questions about putting out the record. Um, and I, I think Adam, maybe Mike, I'm not sure who, but one of them just mentioned like, Hey, you should just restart steadfast and put this out. And I, I think it just never really dawned on me to, to restart the label <laughs> until that. I was like, Oh, that actually would be super fun and super cool. So it, yeah, that, that one means a lot to me because it, I've had such a blast doing this. I, I love it so much. It's been uh, like a, a savior for my, my mental health and just giving me an outlet. Um, it, it gives me a way to connect and stay involved with music um, where I don't have the, the, the time or bandwidth um, to tour and uh, make music like, like I used to. Um, and it just, it, as soon as I got back into it, I just, instantly fell back in love back with on the wheel so yeah yeah exactly so that one means a lot to me um and then just man i i don't know i just all of these records i've got to work on i i, I can't believe um some of the stuff i've got to put out it's yeah. really really cool so um i i'm just thankful for all of them um, i'm thankful for all the people that have helped me do stuff like i get to you know, do split with releases with like uh, Scott Hatch at Bartost and uh, Rob at Friend Club. Yeah, so just cool people and just getting to do that stuff. Because um, I'm just, I, I work from home and um, I work in my basement. I'm just kind of here so much by myself. Um, it's nice to to get to do these projects with other people that, that Absolutely. I, you know, also love doing this stuff. So very cool. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Branson, um, end of, um, six feet deep. You guys are probably getting tired of the hardcore, the metal, um, start to write a little melody. Um, maybe let's talk about how that kind of happened and, and, uh, let's talk about some of the first records with that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I know the half of Letterbox, if not more, I can't remember if it was four songs and then six songs or six songs and then four songs. But Mike had written and recorded these. I want to say he had the first six songs done by himself. Uh, solo project. He was doing this while Six Feet Deep was active. Um, and we were going to put it out on Steadfast as an EP. Um, and then shortly after making those plans, I think was around when Six Feet Deep started to just have some issues and just fall kind of fall apart mm -hmm. um 
And so from there, we're in the midst of it. We're just like, that was all we were doing was six feet deep and, you know, working crummy jobs and just uh, trying to make something happen with music. Um, And so the next thing came along and it was Mike's project. He's like, well, I'm going to finish this, but I'm thinking about putting a band together. Um, So he had recruited Jared, uh, the drummer and later singer, other singer, um, who was just like his lifelong buddy. Like they grew up together, their mm-hmm. parents were friends, um, and they had just been friends their whole lives. So he he pulled Jared into record, and Jared played drums in several bands around town. Um, so he pulled Jared in to record drums, and he had just recorded these first six songs. Um, we were going to put them out on Steadfast, and then Six Feet Deep broke up. And he wanted to finish the record with a full band. So from that point, he started kind of recruiting and trying to figure out what what that band was going to be. So he had invited me, which I was super stoked to do. Um, And then we found John. Um, John was a bass player at the church I went to. I don't know if he was actually playing at the church or if he just went to the church I went to. I don't recall. It's all a blur. But he... uh, he just kind of showed up at my house one morning. I don't even know how he found out where I lived or anything. I didn't know him. I knew, um, I knew somebody else that he was friends with, but, and maybe that was how, but anyways, I, I didn't know John. He just showed up and I feel like he woke me up. I feel like I was working overnights at the time and he came at like 10 in the morning or something like right after I went to bed. Um, but he's, I just remember him introducing himself and he's like, so I, yeah, I play bass. I'm a bass player. And, um, I, I just, I think like, just kind of said, like, I'm, I'm into the same stuff you guys are into. If anybody needs a bass player ever, you know, get in touch. Um, and it just kind of happened. It was like right around when we were, we were looking for somebody. So, um, I was like, the, well, this guy came to my house and he can play bass. So let's check him out. So he came um, and tried out and it was just like an instant fit. Like, I think he had a drawback sticker on his bass. And nice. We're like, oh, that's a, that's a good sign. <laughs> um, it, it just like he, 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 he fit in instantly. So it, it just sort of fell into place. And then from there, we just, um, we started writing and really, really quickly put together the other four songs. Um, and the, the way we sort of wrote and uh, produced the, the, those four songs together was just so, it just seemed so natural. Like, um, yeah. it, it was my first experience writing with other people. But even since, since then, I still look back and I think, wow, those, the, I feel like they came together in like just a month or something. Wow. Like they just really flowed out. Um, I, I could be remembering it wrong, but it, it was surprisingly easy um, and just went really well. Um, so we went and recorded those. Um, the album was finished. Um, I'm trying to think what happened. And we put, so we put that out on Steadfast as a full length. Um, and right, I remember it was right around when we got, the first pressing of CDs for those we found uh, Deep Elm yeah. and their um, their Emo Diaries compilation. It was the first one had come out and it, it was just full of like heavy hitters, right? Yeah. Or, or Jimmy World. Jimmy World, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, this thing's really cool. And it says volume one, we should submit and try and get on it. And so we sent stuff in and, um, 
John from Deepal got back to us and wanted, he had invited us to be on the, the next volume, I think, or maybe it was the third one. I think it was volume two, but he, uh, he also offered us uh, a, a deal. Um, and so we, we quickly signed with him. Um, we went and played a showcase for him in New York, uh, which just felt like the coolest thing ever. Cause we, um, even I, with six feet deep, I don't think we had ever made it to New York. Um, we just did wow. a handful of shows. And so it was cool. Like my first trip to New York and it just felt so, so cool and so legit. Like we were playing for a record label that wanted to see <laughs> us and brought us to New York. And we just felt like, oh, wow, this is so awesome. I bet. Um, yeah, so it, 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 after that, that went well, and uh, we signed with Deep Elm. Uh, he uh, he licensed or bought back the rights for Letterbox, uh, resequenced it, and reissued it with new artwork. Um, and then we had oh, from there, yeah. Then we recorded the song for the Emo Diaries after that, um, and then started working on the, the second album from there. And then we did the next handful of records with with Deep Elm. How was that experience for you? Three, three full lengths, two EPs, and a single. I think, if I'm remembering right, it was cool. Um, it, you know, th- there was um, there was just stuff that we were never able to do ourselves. That yeah. being on a label would just really gave us new, uh, new attention and new exposure um, and new opportunities. Like it, it was easier to book tours. Um, to book shows on tours just with the the name recognition. I think he put a lot into getting the name out there. Um, I don't know exactly what, but there, it, it seemed, it seemed to have some sort of buzz around the label, yeah. even when he was first starting up. Um, so that was really cool. That was nice to be able to, um, you know, it was still a challenge. We were still completely unknown, but there were, there was more opportunity than, yeah. than we had yeah. prior. Um, so it was cool. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we did that. We did our next record, um, in Illinois, um, Urbana, Illinois, I believe Champagne. Um, that was Fallen Star Collection. We did yeah. that one. And then, um, more touring, just, it, it was just a constant cycle of yeah. album tour album who, tour. who are you touring with what are some of the bands I, I know i saw you guys with Appleseed cast one time in uh gainesville i believe um oh, probably yeah at yeah, hard at the hardback it was so yeah fun. forever yeah. ago um yeah what were some of the bands you were touring with uh, through this time frame yeah our first tour was with Appleseed cast that was that tour almost killed us, um, I, I think, emotionally and physically. But there's some pictures of our, our van just completely uh, falling apart, the, the actual split and uh, trapped while we were pulling a trailer. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, Chris Christie just saying he they were driving behind us. And he's like, man, I, I thought I was about to watch you guys die and just go off a cliff. Like, um, but yeah, so we, that time, that was our first tour. It was three months long. Um, we had never been on the road like that before. Just again, just like weekend or week long. Yeah. Uh, John. So that, that was a really awesome and brutal, uh, wake up to the, to life on the road. Just <laughs> like that. Um, and I loved it. I don't think I could do it now, but I 
loved it at the time. Um, it was it was just so fun. Like it, we, I just remember constantly reminding ourselves, like this is our job. Like this is what we wake up and do yeah. every day. We wake up and we drive to some city that we haven't been to before, and we play to like you know thirty people that don't know who we are, don't give a shit about us. Um, and <clears throat> you know we, we live off our. Ten dollar per diem, and we maybe yep. get a meal at the venue. We maybe get a couple drinks at the venue. We maybe get a hundred bucks at the venue. But it, it was like it was lean and poor and mm-hmm. super fun. Like it, it just didn't matter. Like we were making it, and it just felt so. It still feels awesome to to any time you're you're able to to break out of um, you know working for somebody else and absolutely like your your job uh, something that you feel feel in love with um so it just felt so cool and so so awesome to be able to to pull that off um even temporarily so it was fun a lot of touring um but yeah I, sorry i'm rambling but to get back to the question yeah Appleseed cast i remember doing a lot of shows with uh, or a lot of touring with um we did a lot of stuff with uh other label mates to uh cross my heart Mm-hmm. Or later, later Liars Academy. Um, a lot of stuff with both of those bands. Um, this awesome band from New York who are still making music in different under different names, but um, at the time they were uh, Fire When Ready. Um, they had a couple different names, but we did a lot of shows with those guys. They were super good friends. Um, uh, California Buds, uh, my hotel year. We did a lot of shows. Oh, with nice those guys. Always had. Uh, I, know tra- I know Travis. Yeah, such Travis a good is a sweetie. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, all those guys, Travis, Patrick, Ryan, just, just we always just had so much fun. Um, it, it, oh, further seems forever. Uh, and strong arm, sixty deep did some stuff with strong arm. In fact, yeah, I think the California shows I mentioned were were with strong arm, if I'm correct, remembering correct. Um, so yeah, uh, further seems forever. We did a bunch of stuff with them. That was a lot of fun. Um, always had a good time with those guys. We different eras with those guys too, yeah. and uh, different singers. Um, I just recently found some pictures of uh, a later, <clears throat> excuse me, a later tour we did with Bunch, and that was oh, just wow. cool to see him, see his smiling face again. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it, and and I'm sure I'm leaving out, uh, but it, it was cool. We we would remember who we had fun with and who we liked spending time with and really try to, to do stuff with those guys. Sure. And um, so there were a lot of tours that were repeat sort of packages or repeat yeah, yeah. lineups. So, but it was fun. I loved it. That's awesome. Um, so you do the deep elm for a couple records um, and then militia group comes into focus a little uh, kind of tell me how that kind of came uh, to be and and kind of why you uh, decided to go with them. Yeah, they were. Um, I think we were just ready for to to try something different. I, we had been with Deep Elm for quite a few records, and you know our full career at that point, which which had been you know I think we were on year six or seven somewhere in there. I'm, I'm not positive, but um, we've been doing it a while, and um, we knew i'm trying to think how i knew everyone from Electra, but we knew a lot of those people for a while um rory ran a label before militia <clears throat> that i had some interaction with 
Um, I think the first time I was doing steadfast, um, I can't, I can't remember what that was around. I feel like, I, I don't know, but he, yeah, he had another label. I feel like he did something with Juliana theory or Penfold. Oh or yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about now. I could be. No, I know what you're talking. I'm blanking out. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about though. Okay. Yeah. So, so I knew Rory from that. Um, and Chad, I knew from, he had, uh, worked for a while at, um, at uh, Tooth and Nail, and and Chad was just one of those dudes that was just always around. Yeah, he, he knew he's everybody. awesome. He's a good Yeah, he is. He's such a good dude. Um, and so yeah, I would just uh, I, I think at one point they were at our show. Uh, maybe we were playing with one of their bands or something. We just talked and um, basically let us know that they were interested. Um, and so it just it just sort of fell together. Um, I felt good moving to them just because of the the connection that we had with them prior. It seemed like going with friends. Um, so yeah, they um, we kind of told them where we were at and what we wanted out of the label, which was just basically to um, you know get get some increase on the recording budget, maybe um, get us some instruments, uh, and both those things they did. Uh, to their honor, which was super cool because uh, nobody had bought us instruments before. No, nothing against Deep Elm or I'm not yeah, yeah. trash, but um, that was that was a really nice bonus. Um, so yeah, um, I, 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 it just sort of fell together. Like we we felt like it was a, a good step forward uh, given the energy they had, the 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 roster they had, and then they had like a, a pretty decent sized team at the time. Um, I know it changed over the years, but when when we signed with them, I want to say they had like 15 or 20 people on staff, like just doing all wow. kinds of stuff, different departments. Um, so it, it was cool, and and it felt um, it felt like a, a, a an operation, like they had a lot of stuff really yeah. kind of popping and getting getting a lot of attention for them. So Absolutely. Um, so that was cool. Um, yeah, so then at that point, we, yeah, we sent with Deep Elm. They bought us some new instruments, which was just the, the coolest thing ever to just be like, here's like <laughs> X amount of money, and we could just order whatever we needed. And so we were all trying to be diplomatic with it. Like, well, you can get this, and this is more than this cost, but you've needed this for 10 years. And so yeah. like, we're trying to dole out this budget and just get everybody something cool. Um, so that that was awesome. Um, and just, and then we, we were on tour at the time so we had everything shipped to the studio and we just got there as like new guitars and drums and like it was just felt like christmas yeah um yeah so that was uh we got there and we started recording send us a signal yeah i want to talk about that record it's a fantastic record i love it um oh thank you that's about the time when i think you and i met probably after that record um when i booked you guys uh, but yeah let's talk yeah. about that record and and, and kind of maybe your thoughts and on that record looking back yeah, I, so I think that that was, I think we got out of that record what we were mainly asking Militia Group for, and that was we wanted more time in the studio to produce the record and to not not just record songs, which was kind of what we did before. It's like we have 10 songs and we have X amount of days to do it, um, and it, it was just a matter of like, working with that clock and like yeah. okay we have to get like this much done today and there wasn't room for all the stuff we wanted to do or um you know to to 
to just spend that time. It's expensive and it's hard to, you know, budget on, on a band the size of Branson. So we oh, just yeah. never really got to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, this, so basically I think in the past we had done, um, you know, eight, 10, maybe up to 12 days, uh, to do a record. <clears throat> and then I think for send us a signal, I think we had 25, wow. or 30 days. We had like a lot of time. Um, <clears throat> and I think it made a huge difference. Um, because it gave us this new, <clears throat> excuse me, gave us a new way of putting these songs together where we really had time to figure out what the best way to, what the best thing was for each part. So it was like, we would record the song and then rethink like, okay, well this, we should do this part with an acoustic guitar or this part needs, mm -hmm. Um, some strings or we should drop this part and tomorrow we're going to try it again and tonight we're going to try and rewrite this part because this thing's kind of weak or whatever it, it was just this new new way of making a record that we hadn't done before and seemed like a step up it seemed like we were really producing a record instead of just recording songs if that makes yeah. sense that's awesome yeah I, it, it, it was fun um, and it I, I think it shows through in the record. I think that record Absolutely. is um, more polished and um, more song. The songwriting is really, um, I, I, I think, it's more cohesive than some sure. other. So I don't know. It was cool. It was a good experience. I loved what's, making that record. What's uh, looking back on it? Uh, what's your favorite song on that record? Maybe and 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 just overall, are you just is 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 that your favorite one you've done or do, like what? Uh... How do you feel about that? Yeah, I do think it's overall probably my favorite one. Um, they all have different highlights for sure. Me. But that one, I think, um, as as an entire piece, I think it's the strongest uh, written from my perspective. Um, and and just really, I think, captures the overall essence of the band uh, really well. So, yeah, I, I think that's my favorite. Um, and then... Um, Oh gosh, why can't I think of the song title right now? That's even... what everyone does. Everyone does. <laughs> they gotta go um, on the Spotify playlist. I know. I'm about to grab the record. Hold on, I'm gonna do it because I like completely blanking on. Speaking of, you actually sent. I don't know if you remember, but uh, a couple years ago, I reached out to you and you sent me a copy of that on vinyl, which was really kind of you. So thank you again. Oh, for doing that. Oh, nice. And that's awesome. I love yeah, that record. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I just sorry, I'm completely blanking. Sorry, my my dog. No, you're good. You're good. Um, but yeah, I I just have. Um, yeah, anyways, you're welcome. Thank you for. <laughs> For wanting the record after all these years, that's cool that somebody still wanted it. I named my um, son after you guys, just so you know. You know oh, yeah, that, that's right. right. <laughs> I do. I do know that. Yeah. Yes. You have the coolest name, children. Brandon, <laughs> yes. Dillinger. I, I, well, I don't want to say all your. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. didn't want to say all your names. On no, that you're good. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But yeah, like it's so awesome. Um, and I forgot about that. I, I knew that, but that had slipped my mind. So man. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> so cool. Um. But yeah, so I think my favorite song on that record is probably uh, Drawing a Line in the Sand. Um, nice. I, I just really love how that one came out. And 
that was one of the ones where um where there was just a lot of care put on mm. on the production of it and we tried a lot of different stuff and just a lot of like little tricks like i i know there's like some tremolo or vibrato on one of the guitar things. And I just remember like doing different ring outs and like somebody else fading the speed up and down on it. and just like small, stupid studio tricks that at the time were just so magical and yeah. cool to me. And um, that stuff just really stuck with me. So I, yeah, I loved making that. Record. You worked with so, Ed Rose on that, right? Yeah, we, we did. Uh, we worked with Ed Rose on almost everything, everything we recorded um, except for the first two albums, um, the starting with the trying to figure each other out EP, uh, mm-hmm. Ed Rose did that. That was our first time working with him. And, um, yeah, he, yeah, he did everything after that all, all the way up to hello. Control. What, what was um, like working with him? I mean, he's such an acclaimed, uh, producer. It's just, yeah. how was that working with him? It was awesome. He, he is such a cool dude. Um, he's so much fun to be around. Um, just a funny, just a good dude. Um, just a good hearted, funny, funny guy. So it was always fun being there. Um, and, um, it was also stressful too, cause he is nice and fun as he was. He was also, um, not, he wouldn't put up with, you know, shitty takes or, um, sure. if you could, if you could do better, he would tell you and make sure that you did better. Um, so it got hard. It, he was, he, he was, uh, you know, going for the best, the best that everybody was able to give. Um, so it was cool because nobody we worked with before put that level of care into it. Yeah. He, he did. He, he really pushed us to, to do everything the best we could, to get the best tones, to get the best uh, performances and to do the best songwriting. There was stuff that he was like, this, this part sucks. You can't put this on the record. Like you've got mm. somebody's got to, change this and i don't know what the answer is but go figure it out and do it tomorrow like he and that was cool but hard to hear sometimes like we sure we've never been told that it was always just our own filtering like our own stuff um but you notice a difference right away if you listen to um to letterbox and following star collections some of those songs are just way too long and we just played all the parts twice sometimes mm. like get to the end of the song and then repeat everything um but ed came in and just edited all of that down and was just like no you don't need this come back to this don't put that part in cut yeah. this out and it was it, it was so cool because nobody had no one had produced us like that other people had engineered us but nobody said like don't do this. Yeah. Do this. Make this better. So I think that really not only shaped us, but helped us, um, you know, grow as songwriters because we started looking for that stuff through our own lens and like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this or maybe this part should be more open or sure. Um, pull down. So yeah, it, it was, he taught us a lot in general, I think about songwriting and music production. Um, but then also just was very hands-on with with putting those albums together so it was super cool that's really awesome different yeah that's really cool well let's talk about the hello control record uh great record as well um total departure <laughs> from the previous records yeah. but in a good way um you know i i still to stay think it's a fantastic record and probably shouldn't have been a lot bigger than it was and i, I mean that in, in the best way possible um 
yeah, let's talk about that record and, and kind of your thoughts on that rec- record and, and maybe some of the songs on that that you enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that record. I think it's, it, it did get, it did get some backlash. It was definitely a shock, I think, for people that were expecting Send Us a Signal, uh, expecting it to sound like Send Us a Signal, and it didn't. Um, I do think in time, I think it's aged a a bit better. Um, I don't think it has as much of the shock that it did at the time, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that shock was that it just wasn't what people were expecting. It wasn't the same as the last album. Um, And and to be fair, you know, we've done that consistently. We had delivered a record, record after record, that sounded like the same band. And and this one just just didn't. Um, But it was cool. We went into it with the mentality of, first of all, we had a new member uh john who had been our bass player since day one had departed and our buddy adam um came in to write and produce that record with us so it was our first time working without john and with adam so it was just a different dynamic from the start um so we we approached it as because we started writing together and we noticed um we were really gravitating towards towards different stuff that didn't really sound like like all the other stuff not all of it um and i think some of the some of the difference really lies in the production um i the vinyl reissue i just did of that has completely different mixes um that ed rose did um and i think those mixes sound a whole lot more like traditional Branson than the album version that was actually released at the time. Um, but with that said, um, we, we went into it with that, the mindset of, okay, we we started writing these songs and we're demoing them and they're definitely different. Um, but they, they feel good and they sound good and they were what we wanted the album to be. They, yeah it didn't feel like we were forcing something it felt like if we tried to reimagine these through the last version of branson's lens that they wouldn't work and it was Mm. just something that we had to like these are the songs this is what we're writing and this is what feels good um and we're just going to do it and if people don't like it um that's okay um we, we decided that it was these were the songs that we wanted we wanted to make and wanted to share with people regardless of of the response and we knew there may be some backlash um and so it just it just felt like okay whatever it's it's our band we've been doing it for this long um we got to make the record that we want to make and just kind of stay true to what that is and if it's if it's different it's different um so we just kind of tried our best there's definite like concern that people were going to hate it um <laughs> but we just tried to ignore it and just you know go through with like this is what we want to do and yeah. what it sounds like and um so yeah i it, i'm glad we did it i i think it was um i don't think it's that different in hindsight um i think it it has elements that weren't explored prop prior but i think the songwriting it's still the same people for the most part 
and the songwriting is still really similar um and i think a lot of the, the trademarks of a branson record are still there so um so yeah i stand by it i like it um it, it, it's not for everybody that's fine i don't care <laughs> um the uh it's uh i don't know i i think some of the songs i specifically really like um the opening track thousand years um yeah i, I think it's great. just so so pretty and just cool how that came together um and if you listen to the closing of uh not that anybody would do this other than maybe me um but the the closing of send us a signal with battle in the sea going into a thousand years it's a nice transition with like this sort of uh sea shanty um ballad that, that jerry closes with and then this very sort cool of, like, uplifting That's uh, cool. opening so yeah um but yeah i don't know i i, I like that record it, it's definitely different but um it, it's got some some really strong songs on it and some really good memories for me as well i bet i bet um what was the um i failed to ask earlier just because we're on a time crunch but touring for both those records on um, militia how were the shows getting bigger or did you feel like uh that you were getting yeah. a bigger audience yeah definitely um that that was around the time where stuff was really kind of growing for us on, on the road and um, we were getting to play to some bigger audiences um around those those militia years um i remember we we got on a tour with um Oh, what did we do? Oh, that was, I think that was uh, the furthest things forever tour was uh, send us a signal tour. And that was pretty big for us at the time that was with bunch. Um, so they were um, coming off that record that he did with that. What was that? Hide nothing. Hide nothing. Was, yeah. Was, yeah. Um, so it, it was on that tour um, and that was pretty big. It wasn't, there were a lot of venues we had played prior, but they were a lot more full this time. And then some of them were just yeah, yeah. venues that we hadn't been in. Um, and then on Hello Control, I, the, we got to do a pretty big tour with um, Rocket Summer and Paramore. Um, wow. On that um, so that was cool. And, and Paramore is definitely huge at the time, but not not like they are now. Um, not stratospherically. I know, there's some massive. Um, I know it's it's cool. I'm I'm so happy to see them successful, and they they were always good people, and good to us. Um, but they, I mean, these were like House of Blues type shows, and those were <clears throat> pretty consistently uh, sold out or super full, and that That's was great. definitely a big big up uptick in uh, attendance for us. So that Absolutely. was cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, end of end of the band. Um, do you kind of see writing on the wall? Um, what what kind of led to the uh, dissolving of the band? And and um, you know, just I, obviously you're all still friends. Um, but it's just kind of how, how did that kind of happen? Yeah, I think at the uh, on that um, on that Paramore tour, I think was when we decided like, okay, this might be it. Like. <clears throat> it, this is it just kind of felt like we were hitting a wall as far as growth um mm. and reach like it felt like this was kind of a last ditch effort to to make something that would elevate the band enough for us to to keep doing it financially and making a living off it but um i think we were all just just getting burnt on it. We, um, we'd been doing it for over a decade. Um, we were getting older and the, just the prospect of, <clears throat> you know, you make so, 
we, the, at the size we were, you make so little money and it's just hard to yeah. to do anything other. Like we were lucky to, to be able to, to pay for gas and, uh, you know, hotels when we needed them, but there wasn't a lot to go around when we got home from tours. And so it was just getting harder to justify. Totally. So yeah, it just kind of felt like, okay, this is, let's do this tour. It's bigger than we've done before. And if this pushes us to any sort of next level, we'll figure out from there. But if it doesn't, we come back and, you know, uh, two months from now, we're talking about going out on tour, a, a headlining tour or a support tour for somebody who's not much bigger than us. And I don't think any of us feeling like doing that anymore so that that was kind of where we left it off um and after that tour that that was kind of it we had one hometown show i think it was february in 06 um we opened for this band called under the influence of giants um and they had like this really dancey like semi-hit song and our record was like super dancey and it was just like a really like fun party that's cool atmosphere show um it was a hometown show and it was just kind of um just kind of went out like on a really high note and felt really fun but yeah that was kind of it at that point yeah yeah do you miss um i, I know you're on to uh, other things now but uh, looking back on branson how do, how do you feel uh about of the band and, and just do you miss parts of it oh yeah for sure um i miss i miss playing i miss being on stage um, and every time I go to a show and see other bands playing, I'm like, man, I, I miss that. <laughs> and then I stand at the back and I see all the equipment that everybody carried in for all seven bands. And I'm like, God, I do not miss this part <laughs> of it. I don't miss driving eight yep. hours and sitting and waiting for, for 200 seven bucks. more hours. <laughs> yeah, and then playing for a half hour and getting 200 bucks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so there's there's some highs and lows and ups and downs, sure. but um, yeah, it, it's really nostalgic. Like I I love thinking back on it. I love seeing pictures and the videos, and um, you know, I'd love to do it again in some capacity. But well, um, you know, yeah, uh, the, Furnace Fest probably would have you. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they've invited us, which is really awesome of them. Um, it just hasn't worked out. Uh, sure. With everyone's schedules to do yet, so I, I'd love to do that. I, I think that would be kind of a perfect place to to make that happen. Well, um, we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna keep <laughs> trying and keep trying to make it happen at some point. Dude, totally. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, briefly talk yeah. about your uh, high praise. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And I definitely want to get that plugged. Um, maybe tell me kind of uh, how that started and, and how's that how that's going. Yeah. Um, so this started just as a project. Like I just, sometimes I just need to be making some music and playing guitar and stuff. And, um, half the time, or, or I, you know, probably more accurate, like 90% of the time, it's just nothing. And I'm not happy with it, but every once in a while I'll have something like, Oh, I really like that. I want to record it or make sure I don't forget that. Um, so it kind of came out of that where it's just like a scrapbook of like garage band ideas. Um, they're all instrumental because I can't sing. I've never had any uh, vocal talent whatsoever. Um, so they're all instrumental, but also partly by design because I, I really love um, instrumental stuff. I listen to a lot of just ambient, yeah, kind of pretty uh, yeah. post-rock kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I had always wanted to do something like that. Um, and then these, I, I started putting these ideas down um, 
and they were kind of in that vein. And I, I was thinking about doing something with it. And my buddy, Kevin, who ended up uh, making stuff with me on that project, he, he was a super, super supportive and into it. And he's like, Oh, let's, let's try something out. He, uh, he, he produces like uh, techno and electronic music and um, he's been doing that stuff since I've known him in high school. Um, and so he's like, yeah, let's just kind of get together and jam and see what happens. And so we would get together on Friday nights and just kind of hang out and um, it just sort of felt good and started to come together really well and started to like the songs more. And so, yeah, it was just, just sort of a project. Um, but I, I like how it came out. Um, I actually listened to that EP we recorded this morning um, just randomly because I was looking for something in uh, my playlists and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this record. I haven't listened to it in so long. Um, so it was kind of cool to go back. Uh, it's funny you brought it up today after I listened to it. But um, yeah, I like those songs. It was a lot of fun to, to do that project. I have another um, another EP's worth of songs in some varying state. Um of completion that I'd like to put out at some point. But um, I, 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 every time I go in there, I get hyper-focused on different parts and different things. And I just, I, it, it'll probably never get finished because of this. <laughs> like I have the skeletons of the songs down, but I just can't leave them alone. So we'll see. And maybe some point I'll I get them out. But, um, <laughs> Steadfast, uh, what, what releases you got coming up, uh, future wise, uh, that, uh, you can, you can talk about. Yeah. What do I got going on? Um, a, a couple more, uh, Branson reissues in the works. Um, I've got, uh, this awesome shoegaze band, um, called Skymender that is, um, S. Dwayne, who played guitar in um, Cross My Heart, and some other folks uh, put this really good uh, record together. So we're putting that out uh, awesome. later this fall. Um, just about to release a 7-inch from a Costa Rican band called Cabeza de Agua. Um, they do sort of 90s emo hardcore stuff. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um, so that's about to come out. That comes out next month. Um, and I'm about to do a cassette of uh, this band called the 1984 Draft. Uh, their vinyl came out earlier on another label this year. Um, but excited to, to get to share the cassette version of that with some folks this summer. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's it as far as what I have um, that's in progress enough that it is definitely happening. So that's awesome. Um, the, there's a bunch of other stuff. Semi states have started, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm hesitant to announce it. I understand. So like definitely, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Dude, this has been so cool to catch up and, and get to hear these Likewise. stories. And, and uh, you know, it's been a long time coming, but I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. And maybe uh, down the road you can come back on and we can talk a little longer and, and uh, go from yeah. there. So. Oh, man, I would love it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry it's taken a, a few tries to get Dude, to come together. Dude, hey. Bro, it's not a big deal. Yeah, man, it's been <laughs> awesome. And you know what? I'm hoping good things happen for you and the label and all the music and in your life, man. It's just been awesome to know you, and I'm I'm really glad uh, we had this opportunity. So, yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Great to catch up with you, man. All Hope right, you bro. are doing well. Yeah, and man. Talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. I'll I'll let you know when I when I post this. Okay, awesome, dude. Thank you so much. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Bye.
Hey, thank you to the listener for tuning in to this latest episode. Really appreciate support. Uh, thank you, Matt Traxler, for your time. It was really awesome to reconnect and talk about these uh, awesome stories. Uh, it was just really awesome to, I don't know, just be able to talk to him again. It's been a while. So thank you again, Matt. Thank you, listener. Um, add me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, if you'd like, at the Rivers Retreat Cast. Like and subscribe if you'd like. Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> Guys, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. 